Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. And uh, just by way of an announcement, I want to encourage you to all pick up your t-shirts at the coffee hour. I survived the end of the world and all I got was this lousy t-shirt which will be available in the, for God, just kidding. But I just do want to say a brief word about this stuff, about the end of the world, because, um, you know, yesterday it was supposed to have all come to an end by, uh, and the, the paper said by biblical fundamentalists. And I just want to say that that's not true at all. Those people aren't reading their Bible correctly. And uh, I want to just say that uh, it's a tragedy when people base, like, um, troubles and real natural disasters and the pains of people's life and use that to stir up excitement and to make money for their own cause. And so I just want to say a couple of things. One is that anything that comes out of Jim Baker's ministry, John Hagee, or any of these uh, other things that revolve around end times 24-7 is not reliable Christianity. Nor is it fundamental Christianity, because it has nothing to do with the Bible. It's uh, eisegesis, it's reading into the text. If uh, you uh, take Jesus seriously at his word, you will hear him say clearly when asked about when is the end. He says, no one knows the end but the Father. The end is coming, but no one knows what it is. Second, when it comes to the end times... um, People throughout history have always thought that the end was nigh. In Luther's time, everybody thought the end was nigh, and radical Anabaptists were predicting the end of times at any day now. And, uh, and so this begs the question, if for some reason we ever found out what to do, uh, we found the end day coming, what would you do on that day? And I love how Luther, he was really pressed on this question. They said, well, what would you do if you knew that the end was tomorrow? And he said, well, I'd plant a tree. And, uh, and, and that is the truth. You know, whatever happens and when the end comes, no one knows the end but the Father. Uh, What would we do on that last day? Well, we plant a tree. And why would we plant the tree? Because it's good for our neighbor. And, uh, and that is the truth. And in this age of suffering and natural disaster, uh, the last thing anybody needs is to be stirred up about the end and frightened about the end with rumors of war. And what actually needs to happen is we maybe all need to plant um, an extra tree or actually serve our neighbor. And there are various ways to do that through Episcopal Relief and Development Fund and, uh, and find incredible sources. But uh, do not believe this uh, nonsense about the end of the world is tomorrow when anybody has a prediction. There. Now, my, I get off my soapbox and give you my second sermon. So anyway, uh, and uh, it's uh, four times as long. But anyway... Um, uh, so, uh, basically, you know, when I was growing up, I had a relative and, um, and, uh, who was basically defined, uh, in, she's defined in my head. Like, you know, you always have a relative that said something always, and she's defined in my head as always saying one of two things. The first thing she always said was every dog has its day. I mean, she was a woman who was shaped by the depression. She lost her first husband in World War II, lost her second husband in Korea, And, uh, you know, and she just always had these, like, sayings. And the first was, every dog has its day. And the second was, what comes around goes around. And when she said these statements, it was always subtle, yet an extremely powerful assertion that brought an odd sense of self-comfort to the room. That in an unfair world, justice would eventually come. The truth is, is that nobody has to be taught fairness. A sense of judgment, a sense of justice is in our very being. 
and it's reinforced in our politics, our government, and the most popular of our stories. Bad things happen to bad people, and good things happen to good people is the hopeful formula. When I used to live right above the Jack and Jill school here, I used to hear kids yell that all the time. That's not fair! And they're like three years old. It's like intrinsically within them. However, the structure of fairness then is in in the West in part because of the platonic influence on religion, but it's attached and reinforced in our religious systems. So you hear people talk about God, karma, the universe is a big thing, or our various sky fairies and idols which we fashioned into our own image. Uh, They basically reward and punish people based on their consequent choice or lack of choices. And what's going on below is a reflection of what God thinks of me above. And am I really doing things fair? And I think this was really articulated this week. There was a picture in Reuters um, from a woman in Puerto Rico who had just lost everything. And she had her fist in the air. And the caption said, Why God, why? What did I do to deserve this? We've all said that before in our life, haven't we? I said it like eight times this week. Deep down, we all believe that we deserve good. Ten years ago, the book that topped the New York Times bestseller list was Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? And this is my first point. And it's an important one. There is within each and every one of us a deep and profound sense and desire for fairness. Especially when it comes to us. We long for it. And so we, when we experience unfairness, it really touches a nerve, doesn't it? I've often wondered if that's one of the reasons why Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie ever because it ends unfair, or why Game of Thrones is hugely popular, because every season basically ends in complete and total unfairness, because that's a reflection of life. I mean, Ned Stark, why? But anyway, <laughs> like eight of you know what I'm talking about. But uh, so, nevertheless, though, when it comes to fairness, when it comes to fairness, the kingdom of God is absolutely, positively not fair. It's not And to illustrate this, Jesus tells a parable of the vineyard and the laborers. The owner of the vineyard, basically the story goes, he hires folks at 6 a.m. for what was the standard denarius day wage. They sign a contract. You're going to go into my vineyard from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and I'm going to pay you the denarius wage. And at 9 a.m., like all manual labor projects I'm learning, the owner notices, man, there's not enough workers here. So he goes out and he pulls some more guys into the vineyard. And he says, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is the, and in the Greek it's the dikion. Our text simply says right. However, the word here is righteous or justified wage. That's a key thing. He's going to pay them the justified wage, the righteous wage. And that becomes kind of, if you will, on one level, the lens by which we read the rest of the text. We begin to see, man, there's just not enough workers in the vineyard. So the vineyard goes out and hires folks at noon. He hires folks at three. And then here's the rub. He goes out and hires folks at five. Quitting times at six. And the 5 p.m. folks don't even have a contract. And a contract is a big deal in our world of fairness, isn't it? So 6 p.m. hits, the whistle blows, and it happens to be payday. 
and the owner goes backwards, and he gives the guys who started at 5 p.m. a crisp or maybe a shiny brand new denarius. Pretty awesome. Because in my fairness mind of thinking, they should actually get only uh, one-twelfth of a denarius. So in my fairness-centered mind, this must be, mean that the owner is an incredibly generous guy. Because I've been in the vineyard for 12 hours, from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. I must be getting 12 days' worth of wages. That's pretty amazing. Can you hear now the whispers in the paycheck line? The whispers of fairness? This guy's paying a denarius for one hour's of work. Then I see the workers who start at 3 p.m. They get a denarius. The workers who start at noon, they start to get a denarius. Now I'm getting, I'm getting nervous because I, I did agree to one denarius a day, you know, but I started at 6 a.m. Then the guys who came in at 9 a.m., I've made friends with them because we've been working all day, you know, they get one denarius also. Oh my gosh. And now I'm up there and reality sets in. I'm only getting, everyone only got one denarius. The diakion, the righteous wage. What the heck? What would you do? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And because I'm your rector, I'll go to the landowner and I'll speak for all of us. I'm going to speak in the name of fairness. I'm going to speak in the name of justice. These last worked only one hour and you've made them equal to us. The ones who bore the burden of the day and the scorching heat. And of course the Lord, the owner of the vineyard, because he's always pastoral <laughs> with those who want fairness, who those who think that they have a righteousness apart from him. He says... I did you no wrong. We agreed to a denarius. You and I shook. I got your signature. Take what belongs to you. Am I not allowed to do with what I choose, with what belongs to me? Or, and I love how the Greek puts it. It's a better transliteration. It says, or are you shooting me an evil eye? Because I'm so generous. We love to shoot an evil eye at people we think who are getting away with something, don't we? I think I know what's fair. And I expect fairness. However, remember, as St. Paul says, when it actually comes to eternal life, the diacon wage. Remember what he says in Romans. The wages of sin is death. Your ideas of fairness is death. But the free gift of God, gift, a wage not earned, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is my second point. When it comes to Christianity, God is not fair. What we need is mercy, not merit. And this is a tough pill for New Yorkers to swallow. Because like the workers in the vineyard, we love to shoot an evil eye at this concept called grace. We love to shoot an evil eye at this idea that it, when it comes to salvation, your works, your achievements, and accomplishments are as filthy rags before the Lord. Rather, instead, 
Here's how God works. All out of grace. Our Lord Jesus Christ gives us the denarius of salvation to everyone equally. Those who showed up at 6 a.m. and are now clergy, and those of you who just walked in through the door. You talk to anyone who actually really objects to Christianity from any thoughtful perspective, it's not the historical evidence of Jesus rising from the dead. I mean, that is a given. The problem that actually people have when they really study Christianity is this concept of grace. It is completely offensive. What do you mean people are getting away with something? What do you mean people, not because of any good they've done? However, the truth is is that when fairness is is on our terms, we're like little gods. It always ends in bitterness. Just think about the last time you demanded fairness from your spouse. How did that end? Let me tell you how it ended in my house. (laughs) But think about the time you thought you deserved recognition for something you did and you were passed up. Sometime, let me tell you the story about when I thought I should have got the preaching award in seminary. I mean, and it was fair that I got it, you know, but everything... The resentment that occurs, the fights that occur, the bitterness that occurs. I mean, people who won't want things to be fair, I mean, those can be some of the most miserable people that you're, like, engaged with. Because they're always dropping an evil eye, aren't they? Or it's us. Forget about other people. It's us. Hear me on this. What grace says is not everyone is getting a trophy. If you've ever heard me say that, that everybody's getting a trophy, that's not what I mean. What grace says is not everyone is getting a trophy. What grace says is those who have lost and don't deserve a thing, who didn't even show up to work at the vineyard that day, and have nothing left to cling to but this unfair promise of the gospel, which says the last shall be first and the first shall be last, those are the people getting a trophy. You and I by grace alone, are getting the trophy. And we believe this because the trophy was earned by another. For you, Jesus Christ the righteous. We believe this because, thank God, God is not fair. For while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Not while we were getting our acts together and we were good people getting better. But while we were bad people coping with our failures to be good, Christ died for us. Our God is the God who justifies the ungodly. Before you even considered going into his vineyard, our Lord had already given us a denarius of salvation in our pockets. And how is this possible? Because it's not fair. For Jesus labored the full 12 hours under the heat of the law's son. And he died a sinner's death. And at the end of the day, he put the denarius he earned into your account. And while it is not fair, it is good news. We call it the gospel. The gift of eternal life given and received, not a wage we earned. And this is my third point. Thank God, with God it is unfair. That the last, you and I, by sheer grace, will be first. And here and now, first in Christ. 
we all receive the same gift of forgiveness. And we'll all receive it today, given freely in tokens of bread that is his body and wine that is his blood. All by grace, through faith, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.